So today I sit down with Gavin Kane uh, to talk about board membership. Uh, he's a board member on the LGBTQ Center of Orange County. Uh, he works at Cal State Fullerton. He transferred from Fullerton College to UCLA. So we're going to talk about all of that, uh, as well as uh, working on campus, which is something I think is a great um, thing to do if you can. So let's get started. So Gavin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jody. Happy to be here. So let's start with being on boards, because that's something that I really want my listeners and my students to know about, which is, um, you know, nonprofit agencies, corporations too, but I'm in the nonprofit world, um, have board members. And and so I want to talk to you about that. So you're a board member on the LGBTQ Center of Orange County. Um, How did you get involved? How did you get on the board? What's that process? Yeah, yeah. So let's see. You know, after I graduated uh, from college from UCLA in 2017, and I moved back to Orange County, Um, I moved home to live with my parents and save money and get work experience. And when I came home, I knew I wanted to, you know, not just work, I wanted to get involved and volunteer and give back in some capacity. So um, I began volunteering at the LGBT Center, I believe in early 2018. And um, I joined one of their um, young adult kind of social groups that they have um, after hours on Monday evenings as a facilitator and, and did that for a good good year. And then come early, maybe late 2018, um, the person who is in charge of youth programming um, was saying, hey, there's an opening for the youth chair on the board, I think you'd be a great fit for it. And so she told me a little bit about it, connected me with the executive director and the um, the chair of the board at the time. And so starting, I think, January 2019, I kind of went through a little interview process, um, learned more about the board, which I hadn't really heard about before, and um, what would the position be for me. And basically started um, 2019, early board set aside for, for youth, right, to recruit? There is not a specific board, or oh, sorry, okay. what, was the, what was the question again? You said a youth chair, and so it sounded like there's a specific position on the board for youth. There is, yes, there's okay. actually, there's actually two. Um, so when I joined, it yeah. was just, it was just me. Um, and there was supposed to be one, I think, general one, and then one specifically from a, an advocacy youth group that the center has called YETA, Youth Empowered to Act. One of those members is supposed to be on the board as well um, okay. to represent that group and the advocacy elements. Okay. So there's there's two. And we're currently in the process of uh, onboarding a new person for that one. Okay. So there's one ex-officio. They get that by virtue of the office they hold. And then there's one that's open. Yes. Okay. Yeah, more boards should do that. Yes. I think it's really great to to encourage young people to get involved. And I think a lot of time boards, you know, all all across the spectrum, um, are, are 
are, are not getting young people. And so I'm hoping that that will start to change. I love that they have that specific to encourage people to, to be on it. So what's it like? I mean, on some level, they expect you to be young because it's actually set aside. Right. But what does that feel like to be in a room of people who are more established, who have been there for a long time? Yeah. So, you know, it's, I didn't do any, um, any uh, college board work um, when I was you know, either at Fullerton College or UCLA, I wasn't involved in student government. I wasn't involved even in high school. So this was really my first time joining any sort of board with, you know, Robert's rules and getting all of the (laughs) typical board understanding. So for me, it was completely new. And now, now, you know, working in student affairs, I see student college students who are so involved and so on top of the board you know, culture that it's really fascinating to me that you can start so young um, and and just get that knowledge, which I think is really helpful. But for me, there was quite a quite a learning curve. I mean, we had a um, kind of a orientation, which was more or less just kind of information about the center. Um, and obviously, I started attending meetings regularly, which are once a month and interacting with different board members, but it was pretty intimidating because um, obviously I was the youngest person and getting to know kind of the way it works, getting to know, to know the different personalities and just kind of understanding what my role would be um, and how I could be helpful. That was the biggest thing for me is I, it wasn't, I wasn't super clear, like, okay, where can I really fit in here? Because, you know, certain discussions it's really more of an education piece if you're younger than, than. A, right. Right. And, and uh, let, let me give my two. Back and what is the LGBTQ center of Orange County do? Yeah. Yeah. So they do a lot. They do a lot of really great things. Um, pretty comprehensive services offered to, you know, anyone within the LGBTQ plus community throughout Orange County. So what I'm most familiar with um, is the youth and young adult programming, um, which, you know, tackles education. They're working with um, gay straight alliances throughout a lot of the school districts, um, a lot of advocacy work with student um, uh, activists. Um, And then there's other programming. They have programming for um, trans folks and their families, uh, parents of trans uh, individuals, Um, A big piece is the mental health counseling. So there's one-on-one counseling. There's also group counseling and it's provided on a sliding fee scale. Um, There's in-person STI testing that is available to anyone. Um, And then tobacco prevention programming and immigration resources, including legal support. So it's a lot of of stuff. I'm, like I said, most familiar with the youth and young adult programming because that's what I'm connected to, but I'm always amazed to hear about all and, of the other things. And I, I just saw that they are celebrating 50 years. Yeah, that's right. They're one of the oldest LGBT centers in the Which country. It's crazy <laughs> because 50 years ago, Orange County was like ground zero for anti-LGBTQ. Right. <laughs> and, and we weren't even talking about those letters at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just really surprising to me, you know, I grew up in the Central Valley and getting my news out of San Francisco and, right. and, 
so it's just shocking to me that the center existed 50 years ago. Um, and I, and I can't imagine the bravery of, of the people who were starting that. I know it's but really, maybe that's cool. why it was so necessary. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. I mean, the early work um, needed to be done. And I think it's, I think people are surprised to hear how long it's been around, but I think it says something too, that, you know, it's obviously Orange County is a difficult place to have a, a big, proud presence. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, Orange, there's also a, a Long Beach Center, the LA Center is huge. Right. So sure. I think it's, people don't always know. So I think um, uh, outreach and, um getting the, the word out is a continuing effort for the center right. for sure. Right. Yeah. So how can somebody get involved? If somebody hears this and says, I want to get involved, whether they want to be on the board or just volunteer, uh, what kind of volunteer opportunities are there? Yeah. So pretty much to volunteer, it's, this is how I did it. You'd really just go to the website and you fill out a form. You get contacted by the volunteer coordinator. Um, Lots of different ways to get involved. For me, what I know the most is with the youth programming. So if you want to be a part of um, a group helping facilitate it, um, helping you know create goals and outcomes for uh, different youth leaders, um, something that we have coming up, which is really big, is our youth convening, which is this three-day conference. And, uh, you know, takes place over the course of three Saturdays in May, and a lot of volunteers are needed for that. And um, it's a really, really um, kind of pinnacle uh, event that they put on that covers, you know, all the areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, for youth, including uh, education, mental health, advocacy. Um, and so there's there's always, there's just so much programming that they do that yeah, they do I think they always need yeah, they do a lot. I can't even keep track of all of it, um, <laughs> but I know, I know they need volunteers. And then, you know, volunteers for, they have the STI testing. If you're a medical professional, um, you can help out there. Um, they have a lot of different areas where, dependent on your skill set, whether it's just basic skills to really specialize. Yeah. Skills, so they could they could use you. Yeah, that's great. And so what's your advice being on the board? What's your advice for somebody who is thinking about what, what, what would you say to somebody who's thinking about being on a board of a nonprofit? I think I would say to really look into the nonprofit's values, um, look into their history, learn about what they do, kind of come up with some questions that you have for the board um, and ask those questions and also get a sense for what role you, you will be playing on the board and, mm -hmm. and how you can help, you know, round out the, the board. For me, it was really interesting to join and see all of these professionals who each have their own um, specialty or experience in a certain area and how that contributes. You know, we have yeah. people for, with an HR background, people right. with entertainment, law, um, medicine and so so it was really interesting to see what a, a well-rounded board looks like and yeah. that's you know what it should be right. um and so figuring out for yourself what what are you um what are you, what can you contribute and then what do you want to get out of it too what will it do sure. for you sure. and it's interesting because 
I think you, there are passive board members who are, you know, just kind of in their free time when they're able to contribute. And then there are really involved board members who are really want to get their, you know, get in there and, and do some stuff. So it depends on what you want, basically, in your time. Yeah. And I think when, when, when your you're thinking commitment. about a board, you want voice, different voices, right? right? Like you don't want everybody singing the same song. You want different experiences you want different opinions you want to have lots of input and so Mm -hmm. i think it's important if you're looking at a board that is all old people yeah um that they may really need you and just not know where to find young people um you know i i I know i I have served on the league of women voters board and it's Mm -hmm. amazing to see so many different people um come together and really work together for you know a common goal Right. So, yeah, I think it's really important. So, thanks. Yeah. So, let's talk about your career path because I, you know, one of the things I really suggest to people is is to work on campus. I think it's great if you can mm-hmm. work on campus. Um, you have done that at every campus you've been at. So, why why did you want to get started working on campus at Fullerton College? Yeah. Um... When I first got to Fullerton, I wasn't very engaged. Um, I I was, I think I was kind of, you know, I I had a lot of folks from my high school who had gone off to like Harvard and, you know, these really prestigious universities. And I had chosen the community college route, um, which I wasn't planning on doing. And so at first I was really kind of just unengaged that first semester. Um, And then I think after that semester, I kind of got a feel for things and where I could go. And I enrolled in this tutoring practicum course my spring semester that basically trained students to be writing tutors on campus. So it it trained you and then it it gave you a job. And as soon as I started that spring semester, I got a lot more engaged and involved um, being on campus, being a part of the community college system and seeing all of the benefits. And um, it was really, it was really that position that gave me work experience, but it also gave me a community, um, which was something I didn't realize I needed. I think, right. you, know, my, you know, when I first started, I was like, whatever, I'll be in and out. And I think a lot of people feel that way about community college or a commuter I campus. Although my PCP students, my parking lot classroom parking lot. Yes. <laughs> like, that's what I was my first semester. Yeah. And and it also, it also um, and so and yeah and that's just how a lot of different way right it does it does yeah so I was able to um, work with different faculty at the at the writing center there were faculty members assigned there was like a rotation for I think English professors mm-hmm. so it was a really great way to meet faculty and like I said get experience um, get some money and it Always was good. Yes, always good. And it was that was how I made friends was was working at that writing center at Fullerton. It was Yeah. It was um, a place we could literally go to hang out off off hours and just be with um, one another. And and that ended up being the primary source of my community while I was there. Mm-hmm. So then you transfer to UCLA. Then I transferred to UCLA and um, I had a friend who worked at the writing center at UCLA, and that's actually why I got involved at Fullerton. I was like, oh, I really um, admire her, and I think that's a good idea. I'm going to do nice. it. Um, so then before I even got accepted to UCLA, I had asked her to connect me with their writing center because I knew if I went, I wanted to keep working. I already had the, the skills and the training, um, and I thought, this is 
this is going to give me the same thing that um, Fullerton did. And so I did, I did work at the writing center at UCLA, but it was a different culture. They didn't have the space, interestingly enough, for, for, yeah, for tutors to hang out and get to know each other. It really was a go to your shift, do it and leave. And, and, you know, people had a lot of other things going on. Right. And so it was additional experience and there were, there was a lot more, um, kind of development there from for training and skill sets but the you know community aspect wasn't there so um i got involved in other ways i joined an acapella group and got to nice. build community that way so it was um wow. yeah it was interesting because it was different but sure. i just you just had to find kind of find your own way yeah and i and i think you know when students struggle whether they're just starting out or transferring um you know i always tell them to find their people like Mm-hmm. Once you find your people, you'll be home. Yes. And whether that's through a job or through clubs or whatever involvement there is, um, I think it's really key to making that campus feel like you belong. Yes, because it's a you know these are big campuses. It yeah. just feels like a huge ocean, and until right. you find whatever your you know your group is, um, it can be really scary. And that's how it felt at first. Yeah. Was oh gosh, I'm just gonna blend right. And I feel like every right in, and some people do, and that's right. Some people are fine with that. Yeah, and I feel like there's transfer imposter syndrome. Oh yeah, like, like you feel like you're the only transfer student on that campus, mm-hmm. and everybody else knows each other, and everybody else has been there for two years, and often that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, the person you think has been there for so long is just a transfer student who has, you know, kind of found their way, you know, two seconds before you have. Right. Right. Yeah. So what advice do you have for transfer students, especially um, you, did you live on campus? Did you live near campus? Yeah. So my, this is what I did is I gave myself like a couple boundaries or I don't know, rules. I was like, when I transfer, I'm going to live on campus and get that on campus, you know, experience. Um, I'm going to find work, which was the writing center. And I'm going to join some sort of club, which ended up being the um, acapella group. Love so it. I gave myself those expectations. Yeah. And, and it worked. You know, it was a great experience to live on campus because I didn't get that before. Obviously couldn't do that at Fullerton sure. College. Sure. And, you know, transfer students got like one year to live on campus. I'm like, might as well take advantage of it sure. and get that experience. And it was great. It was awesome to to live on campus in the middle of Westwood and have that access to the whole city um, and the campus. It just, it just made it so much easier to get around um, and meet people. Um, And then, yeah, finding your group, finding your one thing to get involved with and really, um, you know, dig in. And then I always think working on campus is a great experience because it's extra money. And sometimes those, those skills that you learn in your student job or what you're actually going to end up needing and using after uh, you graduate, just even the most basic administrative skills are helpful because if you know how to take calls and refer people, that's a skill you'll probably need at some point. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so then you finished yeah, that's what I did for myself. Um, yeah. yeah. So you finished, finished UCLA. UCLA, you go to grad school at Cal State Fullerton. So now we've ticked off community college, UC, CSU. 
Um, so why Cal State Fullerton and why the program you chose for grad school? Yeah, so between between UCLA and Fullerton, like I said, I moved home, I got involved to the LGBT Center, um, and it really it was, a, I guess, a two-year gap year that I took, which I think is kind of necessary when people yeah. will say gap year. It's like, is it really like if half the year spent applying and interviewing for the position for the... Um, yeah. You know, so the, t- the two years was just right for me. But um, in between that time, I got a temp position at um, at Cal State Fullerton. And um, I didn't I didn't know a lot about Cal State Fullerton besides the fact that like half my family had gone there. Sure. Um, my grandpa was a professor. My, you know, grandma, his wife was, you know, an administrative assistant yeah. um, while he worked <laughs> yeah. there. So, um, you know, I had those kind of anecdotal memories of family, but I'm like, I didn't go to Kelsey Fullerton. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I got a, I got a position in the sociology department, which was fitting because I was a sociology major yeah. and, um, and I really enjoyed it. I liked, I liked working there and um, I knew I wanted to do a higher education program. And I did all these informational interviews, which I totally recommend is just, you know, getting in contact with the program. Okay. Um, coordinator and then asking them to connect you with alumni and different people so you can get like a full picture for the program and yeah I did all these informational interviews and ultimately decided that the Cal State Fullerton program was um, right for me Um, I really liked what it had to offer it seemed like a good balance and I'd also gotten a full-time position at Cal State Fullerton in student affairs at the time and tuition remission is a is a thing (laughs) where you don't (laughs) Where you don't have to pay for it, which right, an incredible benefit, which was yeah. obviously a huge plus to not have to go into debt to do grad school. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. So, are you thinking career in in student services? That's yes. So that's what I'm thinking right now um, as I look towards graduating. Mm-hmm. And in what area? What in what sense? I'm still not sure. Um, still figuring it out, but yeah, some, definitely something, um, that has, you know, impact and, uh, influence over student success and retention and something I'm also at the same time, really organized and love to coordinate. So it's probably something with some like technical aspects, but hopefully with a blend of working with people and, um, cause just there's, you know, the people at a university are just the best in the world to work with. I mean, I just love the culture. Um, yeah, it's amazing, right? It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, feel yeah, I mean, like, I know there's, there's politics and sure. all of that, but that's everywhere. <laughs> that's everywhere. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> yeah. And so really your, your on-campus jobs and working even as a student, really helped prepare you for uh, mm-hmm. for your career. Yeah, they did. They 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 directly related to it um, in the end. And um, yeah, I really attribute a lot to those positions because they gave me one on one time with students and showed working with students in the college setting. Because my you know I don't think I mentioned this, but um, everyone else in my immediate family are are like K through twelve educators, and mm. so it wasn't. To, it wasn't like a huge sure. surprise to, uh, you know, for me to go into education, but it was 
interesting for me to realize, oh, I really like higher education specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So, so what's next? Well, I will graduate in May and, um, you know, me and my partner just recently bought a condo as of this week. So I'm I'm here to stay for a bit. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So definitely going to stay in the Orange County area. And I'd love to stay at Cal State Fullerton because in the current position I'm in, um, I've been able to work with just tons of people in student affairs and made a lot of really great connections. And I've gone to see what the, what the climate is like and the cold. Yeah. And that's one of the really good things. And I really like it. So it would be nice to. Oh, good. I I love the idea that you can kind of try it out and like Mm -hmm. make sure it's a good fit for you because I think too often when we interview for jobs, we're just hoping they'll pick us. Mm-hmm. And not really understanding that we should be picking them, yeah. Um, and and exactly. interviewing them too through that process to find out if it is a good fit, if that culture is good, and mm-hmm. and so getting to work as a temp or a part time, um, working as a student and then working um, post graduation, I think really gives you that experience. Yes, yeah, I agree, and. Yeah, just being able to work directly with people and then talk to them about um, their work ethic, their values, um, and what needs they have. It's having that direct connection is is so helpful um, for, yeah, just seeing yourself in different positions. Like, okay, I know I like this, and now I know I don't like that. <laughs> and right. that's just right. helpful for context. Yeah. That, that, that was uh, my family's joke, was that all of my part-time jobs were just crossing off things I wasn't going to do for the rest of my life. Yes, like, nope, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a you know process of elimination. It's it's a good strategy, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so good. So, I ask some questions at the end of each show, and so, what's the best advice you've ever got? So, the best advice um, that I've received, I don't know if it's really advice, more of just it was a, a waking up moment. But after I graduated from UCLA, I felt a lot. Lot of pressure to just kind of jump into the the workforce and, and start gaining experience and working and so like i said i moved home to orange county but i had applied and interviewed at a company in century city and um was offered a position and it would have meant obviously moving back to la sure. um and i was really torn about it because um i had just moved home and um, my partner, who i'm still with was in at uc riverside at the time so it would have meant oh. I don't know what opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have been good for that. And um, I remember my cousin telling me, you know, I was really um, conflicted and he said, you know, they're, they're not, they're not paying you what you're worth or this isn't, this is, you're not going to make enough for this to be worth it with how much kind of stress um, this is putting on you to uproot your life. And he's like, you don't have to just take it. And that was, I think that was a, like a right. good wake up call. Like, it's oh, I, yeah, I don't have to just take any position and right. approve yeah. my life. I can take a moment and breathe. And I had the benefit of having parents who let me back, <laughs> which yeah. not everyone has. But when you do, Perfect. you know, you don't have to see it. You don't have to see it as a deficit. You can say this is a really great benefit. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to say, OK, this isn't right for me right now. And 
take some time to enjoy my summer, take a couple months. And then by that fall, I got the temp position at Fullerton and really liked working there. And obviously. Right. Right. Yeah. Make it work. And continue yeah. to like working there because I'm still there. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They're not paying you what you're worth, I think is really good because I think sometimes we forget about the, the, the cost to our lifestyle, the cost to, to, you know, what that means for the direction our lives are going in. So, yeah. Yeah. So what's a book you like to recommend to people? So the book I want to recommend, it was, you know, also recommended to me by my cousin who I just mentioned and who I greatly admire. Um, So the book is called Autobiography and it's a young adult LGBTQ book. And it's, it's really well-written. It's written by um, two women who are friends and they co-author together. And it's, it explores kind of the intersection of religion and sexual orientation in a really, in a really powerful way that's both funny and then touching. And it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, um, put judgment really on, on any side. It has a really great overview of just the difficulty and that tension. And I've read it multiple, I've gone back to it multiple times. It's a really, really great book for for anyone. You go back. Yes. So that's the book I recommend. So what's the title? So it's Autobiography. So Autobiography. Yes. Good. Thank you. I love getting book recommendations. So is there a hopeful message you can share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, I think the hopeful message I would recommend would go out to my fellow introverts <laughs> out there. Um, and I think this is something I've just been thinking about recently, which is making just taking the time, whether depending on you and your organization, like what I do is I literally schedule time in my free time to reach out to people and just reconnect. Um, because when I think back on this past year, I haven't been able to see a lot of people yeah. I typically, you know, I might not see all the time, but I would have seen and right. had like a, hey, it's right. been a year, let's catch up. And I think as introverts, it can be like, oh, so free. I don't have to see people. But you get to a point where you're like, oh, I really miss yeah. human connection. Right. And so just taking, yeah, just like taking that time to send a quick text or yeah. go for a walk and, and call someone you haven't talked to in a while, I think is. Yeah the advice I would give and something I try to do. Yeah. I think, I think it's good it's, because you know. it just, it can make a lot of, right. Yeah. It can make a big difference to just right. have like even a 20 minute catch up with someone you haven't been able to in over yeah. a year. Um, just kind of soothes the soul, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. A different kind of exercise, right? Social yes. exercise. Yes. Which we're maybe lacking depending on, our situation yeah, at this yeah. moment. Oh, and and it's so much easier to not it to is. not reach out to just be super happy with yourself and and pushing yourself a little bit, and then you're glad you yeah it's over. Yes, I know that's what I challenge myself to do because I'll go for walks, you know, every day just to get out of of the house. Right. And sometimes, usually, I'm like, I'd rather just listen to a podcast or listen to music, but sometimes it's mm-hmm. better to challenge yourself to make that call. Right. If they pick up, great. If they don't, that's fine. But you can leave a voicemail and talk later. But just to make that initial, you know, reach out. 
yeah, I think um, I think one of the the funniest uh, memes that I saw or images or whatever was um, you know early on in the pandemic of hey introvert introverts check on your extroverted friends they're not okay <laughs> they're not good <laughs> you know, the introverts are like stay home for two weeks this is great mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah a year later it's like eh, we can check on people it's like all right now we can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, finally, who should we talk to next? Who's out in the community that I might not know? So who I'd recommend um, talking to next would be someone who the center collaborates with or uh, an organization, which is OC Human Relations. Um, I love them. The reason I recommend, yeah, I don't know if you've talked to them previously, but specifically um, the work they do for hate crime reporting, I think is really important. important and relevant at this time and I would personally be really curious to know more about their process um, and kind of how they how they work with you know this system of how hate crimes are reported and then the information right yeah they do they collect how they use it Um, I think it would just be fascinating right yeah, and they do amazing for teachers out there who are mm-hmm. looking for presentations. They do an amazing presentation on the history of Orange County. Yes, Ooh, and that's I, good. I hope that they will make it public and shareable, but um, mm-hmm. right now it's, it's through their organization and they do presentations. And yeah, I, I think having them on to talk about the, the history of Orange County because it is, um, you know, much like like all history, um, more complex and more dark uh, yeah. than often right. what we are taught. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, they do a great job um, and, and with anti-hate campaigns. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I love it. I'll follow up with them. Okay. So thank you very much, Gavin. Thanks for sharing uh, some information about board and working on campus and getting involved. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me on.